says, God, rivers of living water. He that believeth. Exodus 25. I want to address something that I can't really say that I've ever heard any teaching on per se. I mean, I've heard, we've heard the word used many, many times, and it's throughout the Bible, but as far as any particular teaching on this particular subject, I, I can't, I was actually sitting here trying to remember if I've ever heard any, anyone specifically talk about the testimony of a Christian. What is the testimony? What is your testimony? And I, I can't recall, I mean, I may have, but I cannot recall at all hearing anything about it. But I want to start here in Exodus chapter 25. Now, we're familiar with the ark. We, we know the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness, you had the uh, outer court and the holy place, and then you had the holy of holies. And each place had its own specific purpose with certain, if you will, furniture, whatever the Lord furnished for that particular place. And in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in the Bible, you will see that phrase used in various ways. You'll see the Ark of the Covenant. You'll see the Ark of the Lord. You'll see the Ark of God. And you'll also see the ark of his testimony, or the ark of testimony. And I want to show you that in this, the latter one, the ark of the testimony, in Exodus 25, verse 16. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which, which I uh, will give you. And we know in, inside the ark there was Aaron's rod that budded, there was the golden pot of manna, and then there was the um, tablets of uh, the Ten Commandments. Verse 21, you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will, will give you. I don't want to get sidetracked, but your heart and my heart is a type of the ark in that it becomes a dwelling place for God the presence of God. Verse 22, And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from the mercy seat, from between two cherubim, which, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I, I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So the ark was a place where the Lord came down in his presence and dwelt it was a place that he would come down to commune. You see Moses uh, going in and communing with the Lord. And there is, that was the purpose. You had the ark, which was a testimony to the children of Israel of God's faithfulness through the, the rod that budded and the commandments given and so on. So it was a, a testimony of his faithfulness to them. And it was also a place of his presence, a place of commune, communing or communion. Now, in the New Testament, the word testimony 
is this word here in, in Greek, I want to make sure I spell it right, martyria is used mainly, that's the main, one of the main words, and you have two or three other words that are, are offshoots of, of the, the, the uh, I believe is the root word. Martyria means to give evidence to, giving evidence to something. That which is witnessed of or to speak well of. Now, I want to give you an example. Uh, we're going to have uh, several examples, but the first example out of 1 Timothy, turn with me there, 1 Timothy 2. Now, this is an example of this word, martyria. 1 Timothy 2. Now, this is talking about faithful men, uh, those in the church who are, I believe it uses in the context, the word bishop in the King James. In the New King James, probably the same. But it means overseer, leader. So he's giving certain qualifications here for them. Okay, 1 Timothy 2, verse 7. Oh, it's chapter 3, okay. In the, in the King James, it's, it's um, translated bishop. In the New King James, it's translated bishop. It's overseer. In verse 7, Moreover, he must uh, have a good testimony. In the King James, I believe it says a good report. So the New King James is, is translating this word uh, more accurately. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and a snare of the devil. So this word martyria here is, is dealing with the overseer's report or the overseer's testimony or the overseer's uh, witness that is given out from his life. Now in... Um, Another scripture, there's another word I want to show you here. One of the things that you'll see with the word testimony and with the word witness is that always testifies to Christ. He becomes the center of the testimony. Now, another word that's translated quite a bit in the New Testament, M-A-R-T-U-S, M-A-R-T-U-S. This is to be M-A-R-T-U-R-I-A, martyria. Now, that word looks familiar to us, martis. That's where we get the English word martyr. And that word means a person who's deprived of life as a result of what they believe in. And we know about the martyrs of the church or one who testifies, or one who witnesses of something. And this is used in various ways uh, throughout the Bible, dealing with, for example, uh, a, a legal dispute. A person would come in and testify to where there'd be two or three people testify. You need a witness. It's the same basic word used. What is to be witnessed to is my question. Most Christians, when, and I don't want to say most, but put it this way, when you're out or, or when you encounter people or uh, if you hear someone's testimony, the testimony that seems to be in people's eyes, the most powerful testimony, 
is those people who testify I was an alcoholic and the Lord came and, and delivered me. Or I was in drugs, heavy into drugs. And my testimony is I was a sinner. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did that. And the Lord came and he saved me. Or I was so rebellious. I grew up in, in the church and I left the church and I committed uh, adultery. And I went out and I was very rebellious. Or I was addicted. I, I was actually looking at a few testimonies today. And the one all centered around this one individual who was addicted to pornography. That was their testimony, how they did this, and they were involved in this, and they went here and did this. And then they met the Lord, and he changed their life. So my question is, what is to be the testimony of a Christian? Now, I want to draw a contrast or a comparison to what people today in the church say is their testimony, what people today in the church testify of, and what we see throughout the entire Bible as to be the true testimony of a Christian. And as I was looking at this, I was thinking, there is a difference, a vast difference as far as I can see, in the testimony that's given many times, and in the testimony of what we're seeing from people in the Bible, something we may have never even thought of. So let's begin in John. Of what did Jesus testify? In John 5. Now, if we're to have a testimony, I would think that our testimony should be patterned after the one in whom we have received life. Our testimony should include and strongly be the same as Jesus. In John 5, verse 31. Now, you'll see these words in different translations, depending on what translation you'll have. It'll translate it witness, or testimony, or, or whatever, report. But in John chapter 5, verse 31, If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that, that the witness he testifies, uh, which he witnesses of me, is true. Verse 34. Yet I do not receive testimony from men, but I say these things that you may be saved. Verse 36. But I have greater witness than John's. He's speaking of John the Baptist. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. What is the witness here that Jesus is talking about? Jesus is witnessing to his relationship to the Father, his purpose, the design of the Father for his life, what is to come out from his life, what he's to do, and, and how he is to give that which the Father is giving. Say what the Father is saying. Being the expression of, of the Father. That was the testimony of Jesus Christ. In verse 17. But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. 
quite a testimony. In chapter 6, verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and so on. But I, Verse uh, 36. But I said to you that you believe... Um, that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So again, in this portion of Scripture here, you see him testify of the Father. Verse 44. No one, no one can come to me unless the Father who sends me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. So you see this repeatedly uh, in the New Testament dealing with Jesus. Now, I looked at this uh, in chapter 8. Jesus mentions the Father 21 times. In chapter 14, he mentions the Father 21 times. In all the book of John, 21 chapters, there's only five chapters in the whole book that do not mention the Father. I think that's very significant. So Jesus had this testimony... Not that, you know, you saved me, Father, from this, you saved me from that. I was going into this, but you saved me. You don't see that anywhere in his testimony. Nowhere. You see a heart toward the Lord, and you see a testimony that comes out in truth, testifying to the love, the grace, toward that which uh, the Father has given to that relationship. Now, there's a pivotal verse, I think, in the New Testament that really points this out. We probably would glance over it and not really see it, but I want to show it to you in Hebrews chapter 7. Now, I'll say this, that... I believe that our testimony can include that which the Lord has done and taken us out of. But the bulk of our testimony is not to reside in that. In Hebrews 7.25, now this is speaking of, of Melchizedek, and then it's talking about Jesus being a type of, a, of Melchizedek, being a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In verse 25, I want you to read this with me. Therefore he, Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost. See, he's able to save to the uttermost, not from the uttermost. 
Christians center upon what he has saved us from rather than, than what he is saving us to. We're not saved from the uttermost, and I went to the Greek, and this word is the word ice, and, and that preposition means to or into. We are saved to the uttermost, and our testimony should, should go and flow in that direction much, 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 much more than toward what he has saved us from or out of and, and, and the like. Now, there may be a place for that, but we're talking about New Testament testimony and witness. So, if I were to give my testimony, and we would compare it to some of these people who you know, were in drugs and all this other stuff, my testimony would be very, very boring. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't into alcohol. I wasn't into anything. I wasn't into sports. I wasn't into uh, exercise. Nothing. The only thing that I could say I, I liked was fishing. I mean, I liked other things, but I mean, I did that probably more than uh, I did a lot of other things, but it never had a hold on me. So I can't say, well, the Lord delivered me from fishing. The Lord delivered me from alcohol. The Lord delivered me from drugs. Oh, your testimony is boring. Well, see, you're missing the point. Jesus wasn't into alcohol, into drugs, into anything. And he had the most powerful testimony of all. His relationship with the Father. And he could see things, and he could say, this is the direction to which my testimony goes. That is the direction of my heart and life, and I'm testifying of something that is not seen, that is eternal in the heavens. So I think sometimes in Christianity, we do things, we see things, we hear things, and we don't hold them before the Lord and say, you know, Lord, is this all lining up with your Bible, what your word says? If you grew up in a Christian home, and somebody said, well, let me have your testimony. They're thinking, what did you do? What did you get involved in in the past? And you're saying, well, I, go, I don't have a testimony. Well, yes, you do. Your testimony that you were faithful to God is to be more powerful than those that were in alcohol, drugs, sex, rebellion, and so on. He's able to save to the uttermost, to those that come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Turn to Exodus. I want to show you the testimony of Moses. Now, we're going to go through three or four testimonies here, different areas, different people. Exodus 3, verse 18. Then they will, they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, uh, to the king of, of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now, please, let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. The testimony that the Lord tells Moses and those that go with him to give to Pharaoh was not his life before, not that he killed an Egyptian and now the Lord has changed his heart. 
the testimony here that he says to give before Pharaoh was that the Lord God of the Hebrews has met us in the wilderness. He has met us. So something has happened in his heart because of meeting God. That was the testimony. That's what God told him to tell the king of Egypt. And I'll read one verse from Acts. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of of Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Peter wasn't talking about his past life, I don't believe. It says specifically that they were giving witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was their witness. That was the power of God unto salvation, that they were witnessing of that. Their life was, was lining up with the witness or the testimony of Jesus Christ. Forget about what's past. Where are you going to? What's direction here? What's the direction? Now, let's go to John chapter 1. What was the testimony of John the Baptist? Was, was John the Baptist living in sin? Was John the Baptist an, an opium smoker? You know, that's real popular in, in the Middle, Middle East. And the Indians, you say, smoked a peace pipe. Was John the Baptist's testimony that, you know, I just sit around and smoke and the Lord came and he changed my life? No, the Lord got him in the womb. And what does Jesus say about John the Baptist? About him being a prophet, do you remember? Did he mention him being a great prophet, John the Baptist? What's what does the prophet what the prophets what did they do? See, they testified and witnessed. If you read Jeremiah, and you read some of these other Isaiah and these other prophets, they're not talking about. Now there's some isolated instance where you'll see them bring something else into the picture, but as a, a whole, they're testifying to the word of God to what the Lord has done in their life, and they're testifying in a direction. In John chapter 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God. He's talking about John, whose name was John. He was sent from close to God. He was sent from near, near to God. This man came for a witness... What was the witness? To bear witness of the light. See, that was his witness. To bear witness of the light. To bear witness of the light. That was his testimony. Well, John, tell us about your life. I'm not here to tell you about my old past life. I am here to bear witness of the light. Well, you don't have more powerful witness than that. If your life is lining up and you are walking with Him and you're not in sin, the Lord has developed a witness in you, a testimony. And that testimony is to be given out through what you say and what you do. 
Now, as I said before, what happened in the past can be included, brought in, but that's not to be the, the center of it, you see. Men have made that the center. That's not to be the center. That's to be over here on the side. Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus Christ. The spirit of prophecy. See, that's to come out. That's the true testimony. John 15. What is the testimony of the Holy Spirit? You know, you you see Jesus has a testimony. He talks about the Father, the Father, the Father. The Holy Spirit has a testimony. In verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. His testimony is going to be of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has a testimony, and that testimony is of Jesus. And you also, you, 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 the apostles, the disciples, the followers, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, you're not going to bear witness to your past. You're going to be bearing witness with the same thing the Holy Spirit's bearing witness to, and that is Jesus. So that's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And that's also the word martyria, to give evidence, to give witness. The content of what is witnessed, basically, is really what it is. The content, and see, that content... Uh, is the work of the Holy Spirit done in you becomes uh, the content of your witness. Remember, in Genesis, it talks about seed, bearing seed after its own kind. See, so, so your testimony and your witness comes out from the work of the Spirit done in your heart and in your life, that is the content of the witness. And and the, the Lord will take that, the Holy Spirit will take that and bring that out, push that out, if you will, uh, and, and move that toward an individual so that they will see you testifying of Jesus, you testifying of the light, you testifying of the Father. In 1 Corinthians, I don't know, I I thought uh, some time ago, I thought, you know, Lord, you listen to some of these people, for example, the one individual who was wounded by phosphorus grenades in the army when he was at war, and all these different things, and some of that can be very powerful. But testifying of the past, apart from the Spirit of God working in you and doing certain things in you, that, that is like sawdust. I have thought, Lord, my testimony, if people would hear it, I mean, I, I do have a testimony what the Lord did in the very beginning uh, as far as my lack 
of, of knowing anything, my lack of understanding, uh, my, my lack of, of knowing some of the very basic things. I couldn't even pick up a Bible and look up a verse. I was pretty pathetic. I tried looking up a verse and I couldn't look it up. I looked it up wrong. <laughs> and I grew up in the Catholic Church. Couldn't look up a verse of Scripture. That's pretty sad. So my testimony as far as my old life is weak, and I like it that way. My testimony now in my teaching and so forth is what the Lord has done in my heart, where He has brought me, where He is taking me. And, and see, you will have a testimony... As the Lord comes and reveals to you in, in His Word, reveals to you certain things, and you see those, and you direct your life toward that, you will have a testimony. You can testify of where the Lord is taking you. He is going to save to the uttermost. His salvation is still at work every day, every year, taking you further on to Him. We are saved to the uttermost. I like how Paul says it. I'll paraphrase it. Placing those things, setting those things behind, and moving on toward Him. Pressing on toward Him. Moving into a place where we know Him more and more and more. Living and walking with Him in a way that defies the world. In a way that the world looks at you and thinks you're crazy. And we'll tell you that. We'll tell you that too. Well, that's, that's okay. See, you can, if you're testifying of the light, see, the light can be seen, and you can't stamp it out. You can't do anything to it. It just shines out there, and people can deny it. People can refuse it. People can push it to the side. But still, it's, it's the testimony and the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ coming out from you, from your life. In 1 Corinthians 2, now you see this thing with Paul that, and he does this for a reason, because in the, in the beginning, the Lord, before the Lord got a hold of his life, he was killing and persecuting. Uh, uh, I don't know if he was killing, he was... Um, he was there consenting when, when Stephen was killed, but he was persecuting the church and taking them and throwing them in jail. And he recounts that several times, uh, and there's a reason for that. But yet, you, you still never see Paul centering in on that. He doesn't take that and make that the center of what's going on in what he's saying. He always moves that on to Jesus Christ and the testimony of Jesus Christ and, and, and all that. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, 
And I, brethren, when I come to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. So what was he what testimony was he giving to them? What was he declaring there in that verse? What's it say? Declaring to you the testimony of God. The testimony that, that points to where we are saved to, not from. Where we are saved to. First, uh, well, you can turn to um, turn to First Timothy, and I'll read Second Thessalonians in closing. Second Thessalonians one ten. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and be admired in them uh, that believe, because our testimony. Among you was believed in that day. Our testimony among you. And it wasn't of their past. And in closing, 1 Timothy 2, verse 6. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ. So, again, you see the testimony here of Paul. The preaching, the apostleship, was all centered around the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, whenever you, you hear people, or even yourself, you may say, well, I grew up in the church and I don't have a testimony. Well, the Lord wants to give you a testimony, but it's not the testimony that you're hearing in various places of your evil past. He wants to give you a testimony. You are going to be saved to the uttermost. He will show you things that you need to know and see and testify of concerning Him. And whenever you hear these people who have all these things that they bring into the testimony that talk about their old life, just remember, are they going to finish that centering upon their testimony in Christ or the testimony of their old life? You you young people who have grown up in the church, the Lord can give you a tremendous testimony. So when you hear these people, don't say, well, wow, listen to them, listen to their testimony. Your testimony can be much stronger. Much stronger. And so we'll we'll close with the verse in in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, to a completeness. Those that come of living water.